Hello, hello. This is your host, Traz Ahmed, ready to kick off another bite-sized episode of the Crypto Valley Association podcast. Let's discover together the growing trends of this fast-moving space and try to shed some light on the mysteries it contains. We are joined by Tatiana Moroz, the founder of Tatiana Coin, the world's first ever artist cryptocurrency. So let's dive straight into the hidden world of music. Tatiana, great to have you here. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. And uh, well, let's get straight into things. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you first got involved within the blockchain space? Sure. So I guess my interest in cryptocurrency is a little bit unusual because if you asked me 10 years ago what I thought about technology and finance, I would have told you I hated them both. <laughs> uh, I grew up in Jersey and I went to college at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And upon returning to New York, I started managing a number of different recording studios, as well as pursuing a career as a singer-songwriter. When I was growing up, my mom used to play a lot of music from the 60s and the 70s, and I was particularly inspired by Cat Stevens and a lot of the other artists with an anti-war message. And I was always very interested in you know, a dystopian future versus a utopian future. I'd read a lot of those novels. And unfortunately, my own generation didn't really seem to have its own cause. So I was a little bit, you know, disappointed there was nothing to rally for. But in 2011, I found out about the Federal Reserve and I became a lot more politically active. I started supporting Ron Paul, who's an American congressman who ran for president. He was a big unifying factor in the United States. You know, there are people from the left and the people from the right. And it was a really beautiful time to be a part of that. I got to sing all around the country for thousands of people and it actually had a message. So unfortunately, Ron Paul did not win the election. The elections appeared to be pretty corrupt in the United States at that point, from my vantage point. And at that time, I was supported by BitPay. So Tony Gallippi and Stephen Pear had sponsored one of my performances. And then they came to New York to tell me all about Bitcoin. So about August 2012, I bought my first Bitcoins at $11. Even though I didn't really understand what they were talking about, I was definitely intrigued. And then it was kind of like I went down a whole other rabbit hole. So in 2014, I was really looking, well, actually I should back up. So in 2013, I decided that since Bitcoin was so hard to understand, I would write a jingle about it. You know, you want to sell something, you write a jingle and that's something that I'm pretty good at. So I thought actually maybe I could play it for you guys. What do you think? Yes, that would be awesome, please. Awesome. Okay, here, uh, I'll give it a shot. Um, Thank you. I didn't want to give any of my money to a nation based on war. I wanted to be free, nothing holding me back from where I want to go. I thought about it, I thought about it. What was the choice that I made? It was to take away the money. Don't give up your money. Use Bitcoin whenever you pay. Use Bitcoin whenever you pay. Use Bitcoin whenever you pay. <laughs> so that's just a little small part of it. People can go to my site at tatianamoroz.com and listen to the full thing. But I know we have a limited time and I definitely want to talk with the audience. So hopefully yes. that wetted their whistle a little bit. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for, for that. It's, uh, it was awesome. Wow. Blown away. It's a fun way to get people into it. And I was very warmly received by the cryptocurrency community. I remember debuting that back in Argentina when during the first run-up and everybody was there and it was such an exciting time to be in the space. In 2014, people started talking about Bitcoin 2.0. 
And Bitcoin 2.0 was ended up being blockchain, right? But I started talking with Adam B. Levine from the original Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast. And we started to talk about what would it look like to bring the music industry in with cryptocurrency. And that was quite a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I should probably tell you about it. So basically, we created Tatiana Coin because I saw two main problems in the music industry. So you have fans and funding. Now, a lot of people look at cryptocurrency as a way of helping to track copyright. And that's an important component. But a lot of artists aren't even going to get into the studio. They can't afford to do that. So they're not even going to register their works to be copywritten. So I took the existing Indiegogo type model and I improved upon it. So traditionally, if you donate $50 to a crowdfunding campaign, you get a t-shirt and a CD, and then that's pretty much the end of the relationship. But if you created a Tatiana coin, it would essentially allow you to have an eternal relationship as long as you're a coin holder with the artist that wasn't dependent on an outside platform or anything like that, because of course, crypto is peer-to-peer. And it would also give them a little bit of a different benefit. So if you had Tatiana coin, you would get a discount on future merchandise. You could get access to different kinds of perks, sort of like a Patreon model. And on the other side, you know, I had really taken advantage of social media platforms because I was like most artists, a broke artist, just trying to get some marketing done. And, you know, those early platforms were really helpful But what I noticed when you went from platform to platform is that, of course, you have to go from platform to platform. Obviously, nobody's on MySpace anymore. But once you would build up an audience for that platform, the platform would own it. And as we see now, there's even censorship going on. So if I want to reach my fans, even though they came and liked my page, I have to pay Facebook every single time I want to access them. And of course, if I have a controversial message or something like that, then I can easily be censored. And of course, censorship is not the way to go. (laughs) So we created Tatiana Coin and we built it off of Counterparty. That was the best technology available at the time. Later on, we learned that when your Bitcoin fees go up, it could be a little bit problematic for a token that's not worth the value of the fee. And it was generally a pretty hard thing to implement. You know, making the token is not that difficult, but being able to figure out how to get people to understand how to use it, that can be very challenging. And then additionally, it was like I had a car without any roads. So what Adam and I figured out after that whole process, and you know, I raised enough money, I funded my album, but we wanted to build the roads. And so as a result, Adam created a company called Tokenly, and they were probably the first real token company that was out there, I think. And so he did a lot of different projects, including you know, Spells of Genesis and some gaming applications and a variety of other things. But we also created a platform called Token FM, and that was our music platform. So we had to go out and build it ourselves. Over the years, it's been kind of difficult because the market went down. And in 2017, we had built a platform and we wanted to do it as a crowdfunding kind of, you know, just an ICO, right? Mm -hmm. But as we all know, that was a little bit legally sketchy. And our Mm -hmm. lawyers told us that we weren't able to do it. So now we're getting ready for the launch. It's been a little bit, a long time coming, I guess. But Mm -hmm. I think that you learn quite a bit during that journey, especially that it takes developers a lot longer (laughs) to do things than you would ever imagine, (laughs) which is, I guess, a common problem. It was a really nice thing, though, because I decided to do some, you know, really relevant music to the crypto community. I Mm -hmm. was a big supporter of the Silk Road. And so I learned a lot about what happens in the drug war and the prison industrial complex in the United States. And that was very educational for me. And I think it's really important to be aware of not just, you know, stacking sats and Lambos, but there's a lot of, I guess, political implications of of using cryptocurrency. 
Okay. Maybe you can tell us more about this platform that you're trying to build. So will that work a lot like Indiegogo? Will there be additional features? Is it based on blockchain technology as well? Or is that just the Tatiana coin that will be within that? Can you explain to us a little bit about the ecosystem there that you're trying to create? Sure. So luckily it's all built out, but at this point we're just waiting for funding for marketing and Mm -hmm. for some final touches. So that's a nice feeling that at least it's completed. But our approach with the product, so Tokenly is the main company, but they have two products. They have Token Markets, which is an e-commerce solution. And then the other side of it is Token FM. And our goal with it is to make a protocol agnostic platform that blends the best of decentralization and still has a centralized element. I think it's a little bit premature to try and decentralize the whole music industry uh, just because of the infrastructure and also because of the ease of use. Not everybody's ready for crypto and I don't want to force them into it. But essentially, the platform allows an artist to create their own empire. So it's a streaming platform where we pay 20 times what Spotify pays. You can sell your music. You can set your pricing at any time. So currently, if you try and put your music out through a content distributor, you have to set your price and you can't make any changes and you're kind of locked into that system. So here you can adjust your pricing whenever you want. It automatically pays out anybody who worked on the record that's owed royalties or a cut of the proceeds in any way. It also allows you to direct message with your fans and you can create any kind of token that you'd like. So we had a bit of a challenge with Tatiana Coin because we were very careful not to make it seem like a security. No one wants to go to jail, but that does seem to be a model that artists really want and are seem to be embracing. You know, you can also do a number of other kinds of tokens. So for example, if you wanted to do tickets to concert, you can tokenize them. You can have more of a Patreon model that's kind of token controlled access. And basically it allows you to not have to be dependent on another platform. Now, of course we have our platform, right? So you could say, Mm -hmm. well, they're dependent on your platform. But if you don't like what we're doing, you can take your coin holders and go somewhere else. And I think that that's really critical because at the end of the day, you're the one that's building up the value. And the current music industry is very beneficial to the overlords and not so beneficial to the artists. So artists are always the ones that are last to get paid. None of this would be possible without us. So while you do need a certain you know, supporting component from the music industry itself, I think that things are still a little bit backwards. So that's what we're really hoping to change. Mm-hmm and also allow people to participate in the system, not just using cryptocurrency, but if they want to buy in with a credit card, they're able to do that as well. Okay, and sense of combining the two and blockchain technology is a lot about disintermediation, right? Being able to connect people one to another. So do you see um, your platform and, and blockchain technology being able to support the music industry by giving back more to the artist then instead of each person along the line being able to take a cut from the artist and then the artist, as you, you said before, actually be becoming harder for them to receive the benefits of their own work. Do you see that uh, progressing forward with technological? Absolutely. If you look at, for example, I'm going to be putting out my fourth record that I'm also producing myself and... Well, Will Hunsley's helping me, <laughs> but you know, we're putting it out. It's going to be a self-released album. And I have a lot of reticence around that because even though I want to put it out by Christmas this year, there's a certain aspect of putting out music where it's like, what's the point? You know, you spend 20 or 30 grand producing a high quality record and then Facebook makes you pay more money and you make less than a penny for every time somebody plays it on Spotify. And it's a very cartel type business, right? So even though now I have more money than I did when I made my first or second or even my third album, well, not really, but you know what I mean? Like, at least I'm not dirt poor or anything. Mm -hmm. It still doesn't seem to have a proper ROI. 
And a ton of artists that I know mm -hmm. just feel like, well, what's the point? If 20 people are going to play it on YouTube and if you're going to make $300 off of ASCAP at the end of the year, that doesn't really seem very mm -hmm. worthwhile. And it also just gives you a sense of not having any control over your career. The music industry is one of those places where mm -hmm. there's other places that, you know, if you're a really good doctor, you can get ahead. If you're a really good musician, mm -hmm. that doesn't really mean very much. I mean, you've seen some of the people on television that are aggrandized, especially if you're an artist like me, mm -hmm. you know, with an anti-war message and in the world of Cardi B and Rihanna, <laughs> that's not exactly something <laughs> that's welcome. But I want to kind of create my own destiny. And I think a lot of artists feel that way. Everybody wants to be famous. Sure. Okay. And, you know, Beyonce, whatever. But at the end of the day, I think a majority of artists would be really happy being able to just make a living and not have to have a waitressing job and a day job and, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. Uber driving. And, you know, artists always have to do all this extra stuff. And then at the end of the day, the real work begins. So when normal people go home at six o'clock, they have dinner with their family, they watch a little TV, maybe they go for a walk, get some exercise. And an artist is just working 24 seven. It would be nice to see us actually getting something for that after putting in all of that mm -hmm. time and effort, real long yes. work to be recognized. And actually being able, yeah, and actually being able to do what you love, right? So maybe do you have a message for some of these younger, say, musical entrepreneurs that want to get out there and do it since you've been through it already in today's day and age? Do you have a message for them of what they should be doing at the current point in time? You know what? I'm not sure what that message should be because I think it's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for a lot of artists to figure out what the best solution is. I mean, honestly, if I had any advice for an artist, I would tell them to buy Bitcoin because I think that the <laughs> biggest problem for artists is that they don't have money and mm -hmm. you can't start, you know, being an artist is a business and you have to look at it that way. So, you know, number one, obviously you have to have a good work ethic. I kind of think the whole idea that artists are lazy isn't very true in my experience. Most of the artists that I know are very, very hardworking, but that hard work doesn't necessarily add up to cash and cash is king. So if people were buying cryptocurrency and learning a little bit about that, I think that they could potentially just make money when it pumps. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And then they would actually be able to support themselves. I would welcome them to join our platform when it launches and mm -hmm. to explore some of these unique offerings that are being done within the cryptocurrency community, especially in the art community. They're tokenizing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say that that's you know, the answer yet because that space is, is growing mm -hmm. and it hasn't really hit the main market. So there's definitely some advantage to being an early mover. And I think that the community is really inspiring. So from that mm -hmm. perspective, it gives your soul a lot of juice, <laughs> but I don't know if it's going to give your pockets a lot of change. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, I have a Bitcoin logo on my guitar that's sometimes on there. And I mean, theoretically, I've played a ton of different Bitcoin gigs. It's not like I have a lot of Bitcoin stacked from all the donations. I think the donation thing sort of fell by the wayside. And also, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people were really wiped out when the markets went down. I mean, mm -hmm. the 2017 run up and then the subsequent fall was a lot longer than I think a lot of us were expecting. So mm -hmm. I think that people got a little bit less generous around that time because you imagine yourself with tons and tons of money and then all of a sudden you're just looking at your accounts and you're like, oh, this isn't looking good. <laughs> But I, I definitely like the community. I mm -hmm. think that's actually been probably the most rewarding thing uh, in cryptocurrency is, you know, in the United States, we have a lot of political strife right now. All around the mm -hmm. world, there's protests and a lot of problems. But luckily, when you're working in blockchain and in crypto, 
you can actually take some comfort and solace from the fact that you're actually building something. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit played out, right? Everybody in the crypto space is saying, oh, we're saving the world. It's like, all right, you're not saving the world just yet. Go to work. But there is something about it where you have a sense of fulfillment from participating in something bigger than yourself and the ideology that kind of binds us together, you know, this idea of freedom and access to technology in an equal way. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many wonderful things that give us power. Whereas, you know, I did a lot of protests and stuff. I would stand in front of the, you know, White House and say, end the Fed and end the wars and no one cared. But with Bitcoin, you don't have to ask for permission. And with cryptocurrency, I think that we can bring a lot more accountability to the world around us. And that's something that's lacking right now. Okay, I totally understand that that, that point of view. And I'm glad that you survived the, the crypto winter. And I think it was hard for many people and, and companies to get um, through that. Maybe you mentioned the, the whole Bitcoin side of things. Would you like to give our audience maybe your perspective on why Bitcoin really matters and the values behind it? Sure. I mean, I think that one of the things that really fascinated me was just how much war was in the 20th century. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of war in the 20th century. And the reason why that was possible is because of the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve was founded in 1913. And since then, the value of the dollar has depleted by 98%. If we don't control the money, we cannot control the outcome of what's going to happen. A country can essentially print money into oblivion and just keep funding their own programs. And there's no Mm -hmm. way to fight back. So I think that the anti-war message and the concept of what creates value and what is sound money and where does money come from, Mm -hmm. just that shift in that mindset is, I think, critical. And I think that, you know, a lot of people also resonate with that. Right. If we put it back to the to the music industry, would you like to give our audience a, a view of where you believe the future of the music industry is headed with all the technological progress that we're seeing and maybe specifically as well within the blockchain space? I don't know. I I have no idea. I mean, it's not something that I spend too much time worrying about because Mm -hmm. I think of the music industry like the government or any other kind of really centralized kind of place, right? I don't have that much influence on it. I can only change it through what we built. I do think that there's almost a day of reckoning coming because there are certain projects that are really investing into the creator community. For example, uh, Brave. I really Mm -hmm. like the Brave project. I love the basic attention token. I think that there's so many possibilities there. And their whole focus is around content creators. So that's where the value is coming from. There are a lot of us, right? And it's an ever-increasing amount of people. But I would love to see a little bit more transparency in the industry and a little bit more decentralization. You know, a lot of the artists, even if they're signed, they're still doing a bulk of the work themselves. And people used to dream of getting signed. But if you get signed and your representative leaves the company, then you're in the trash and nobody cares about you and you can't even put out your music. And I don't really think that a lot of people in the music industry are particularly thrilled to be participating in that, but they're just kind of a part of the machine. So I think we have to maybe break the machine a little bit and then we'll see, you know, the future is very bright. And I think that there's a lot of other factors going on right now in the world that just make 2020 this very uncertain year. Mm -hmm. And I've almost been leaning into a, like a Buddhist (laughs) mentality (laughs) where you just, you can exist where you are and maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable, but time keeps passing and we kind of just got to roll with the punches at this point. I see. I see. Well, I'm sure there's, there's a bright future ahead past this whole uh, coronavirus pandemic and, and that we will see some of that transparency you're talking about and hopefully blockchain technology will, will help to enable that. But uh, well, so thank you so much, Tatiana, for those um, valuable insights. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? 
Well, I have to shell my stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things that we didn't get to talk about was my company, Crypto Media Hub. So we've been doing marketing and crypto for the marketing and PR for the crypto space since 2015. And that's been something that we've been revamping lately. But also there's the Tatiana Show and Proof of Love. So the Tatiana Show I founded in 2015, and it talks a lot about economics. I have a lot of different kinds of speakers. Of course, we have a ton of different crypto projects and a lot of political speakers and things like that. Mm -hmm. But after a while, I got a little bit burnt out on cryptocurrency. And I also felt that a lot of people in the community were very singularly minded. Your wife's not gonna like you very much if all you do is talk about crypto, right? And I think <laughs> that family is very important and love is very important. And I had learned a little bit about myself through some self-reflection and realized that I had some walls up. As an artist, you know, love is one of the most important things out there. And mm -hmm. I want to have a message beyond buy Bitcoin, right? I evolved into a podcast called Proof of Love. So it's proofoflovecast.com. And mm -hmm. we have sometimes different people from the crypto space. Sometimes it's just silly girl talk. But it's been a really nice journey. And it also allows you to learn a little bit more personal side for different crypto people that you may admire. So for example, we had Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert on, and I talked to them a little bit about how they met and what it's like to work together. I had Giacomo, Zucco, and Mir, and they talked a little bit about their marriage. I had Rob Viglione and Rosario Paps from the Horizon Project. So it's been a cool way to talk with people a little bit about the things that also matter and maybe mm -hmm. are almost a little bit more important. And then also like alcoholism and drug addiction issues. I mean, we have a lot of problems in this world and I didn't want to be so singularly focused. I think it's important to, you know, water the whole garden and not just one part of the lawn. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's been very fulfilling. So I'm hoping to have some, maybe Emmy come on to the show, but I'm not sure if she's going to go for that. <laughs> I see. And maybe one last thing, thing to add, you were speaking about your, your platform. When can our audience expect that to be live? People can go and check it out right now at token.fm. But I think that we'll probably, if things go well, which everything is so crazy right now, I'd love to mm -hmm. launch in January in a more formal fashion. So people can kind of keep an eye out. And I know that these things get a little bit delayed, so don't hold me to it. But it'd be great <laughs> if we could launch by January. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing that. And thank you so much for the conversation. It was um, truly inspiring. Thank you so much. Great. Well, if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to check out more on our website, CryptoValley.Swiss, where we host plenty of events, educational content, and even provide information on how you can join our growing community. So thanks again, Tatiana, for joining us. And stay tuned, stay safe. And until next time from the Crypto Valley in Switzerland. Bye-bye. Thank you.